that sweet aroma I'm bold and beautiful I can hardly wait to taste Early morning Something wonderful Is about to make my day Hey! Give me a good cup of coffee Give me a word that rocks me a whole lot of Jesus and a little caffeine. World waits out the front door. Let it wait just a bit more. Because I need Jesus and a little caffeine. Hello, everybody out there in podcast land, and welcome to another episode of Jesus and Coffee. Amen. My name is Jay Brooks, and I'm your host for this devotional Bible study. I'm a Christian, a husband, a father, and a grandfather. I love Jesus, and I love coffee, hence the name of this broadcast. I have my Bible open in front of me in a nice hot mug of dark roast coffee, so I have everything I need to start my day. This isn't really about coffee, it's all about Jesus. I just drink coffee while I'm doing it, and I happen to love this song by John Waller. My wife and I met him in August of 2017 at a free concert he gave in a church here in New England. We had a nice conversation and he wasn't trying to get rid of us. He was genuinely interested in getting to know us a little bit. Check out his music and if you have a chance to go see him I highly recommend it. He is a good Christian brother who loves Jesus and loves coffee so that makes him my kind of guy. So let's get things started, shall we? Today, I will be reading from the English Standard Version, or ESV. I'm going to read John chapter 19, verses 38 through 42. All right, let's pray and get into the Word. Almighty God, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we ask you to open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things from your holy word. Change us with your word because we desperately need to be changed. Speak to us through your word because we desperately need to hear your voice and reveal yourself to us from your word because we desperately need to know you. Amen. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now, in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. The word of the Lord. Amen. After these things. This is typical of John. He often says after these things. After what things? After the things that just transpired. The crucifixion, the not breaking the legs, being pierced with the spear, etc. Sometimes when he says after these things, it could be days or even weeks before what he's talking about. But this time, we know it is immediate, since John previously told us the Sabbath was near, which means it is close to sunset and the body 
if it is going to be buried, must be buried before sunset. Keep in mind that John is not trying to give a day-by-day history of Jesus' life or record every moment of his life. As I have mentioned before, John has a deliberate purpose for writing this gospel. The last two verses in chapter 20 tell us that John has selected certain events to tell us about and why he selected them. Listen, please. Now, Jesus did many other signs which are not written here. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. I believe one must always keep this in mind when reading John's Gospel. I frequently ask myself, why did John include this? Why does he think this is important? How does this help me to believe that Jesus is the Christ? John goes on to say that Joseph of Arimathea was a secret disciple of Jesus. He was a member of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council, so he was probably wealthy. He was a man of influence since he went directly to the governor to ask for the body. Now, many commentators pick on Joseph and Nicodemus, calling them cowards for being secret disciples. I don't think that's the case. Nicodemus, as you may remember, is the one who came to Jesus in the night and to whom Jesus said, you must be born again. Probably the most widely known verse in the Bible, John 3.16, comes from that clandestine meaning. Listen, please. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. John says they feared the Jews, but that does not necessarily make them cowards. They serve a very important purpose here. If they had come out as disciples of Jesus, they would not have been in any position to ask for the body and bury Jesus. They would have certainly been expelled from the Sanhedrin and the synagogue. Then they would not have been in a position to do what needed to be done. They eventually would have lost their wealth because they would have lost their connections to the business community. Jesus' worship did not take place in the synagogue of Jerusalem, not at this time. Worship took place in the temple. The synagogue was a community gathering place for men where relationships were formed and part of the result was business networking. Yes, there was scripture read and discussed, but while it was intact, worship took place in the temple. To be expelled from the synagogue, especially for someone who had been a member of the Sanhedrin, would be a disaster to one's ability to do business in the community. Remember, please, that this society ran on honor and shame. The shame of being not only expelled from the synagogue, but losing one's seat on the ruling council would have been devastating, socially and economically. Although these men, as John tells us, did not announce their discipleship for fear of the Jews, they would not have been in the position to do what John tells us they did here if they had been openly following Jesus. Their secret discipleship served an important purpose. I am reminded of what Joseph said to his brothers when they found out the one they sold into slavery was running the show in Egypt. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. And that's from Genesis 5.20. I'm not saying these men knew they would be doing what they have done here. After all, Joseph's brothers didn't know God wanted Joseph in Egypt. I am saying that their fear served God's purpose. They may have realized that losing everything by standing up and saying they were disciples of Jesus would not be the best way that they could serve Jesus. I don't know what went through their minds. And yes, 
John says the motivating factor was fear. Fear of the Jews, fear of being expelled from the synagogue, fear of using their position of power. But there's nothing wrong with having Christians in positions of power. If anyone else asked for the body, it most probably wouldn't have been granted. Crucified bodies were not normally buried. They were either left on the cross to rot or dumped in a mass grave. Since Jesus' resurrection and the resulting empty tomb is such an important part of Christianity, these men indeed played a very important role. If they had openly proclaimed their discipleship and been removed from the Sanhedrin and expelled from the synagogue, they would not have been able to ask Pilate for the body. Then the women would not have known where to look for the body on Sunday morning. There would have been no stone to roll away, no empty tomb, no Roman soldiers guarding the tomb. The practice of Christianity would have been very different. I'm sure God could have made it work if he had chosen to do so. This was God's plan. God wanted the resurrection to be dramatic. God did not want Jesus left on the cross. God did not want Jesus in a mass grave. God wanted Jesus in a specific tomb, the location of which the disciples would know. God wanted Roman soldiers guarding that tomb. God wanted the stone to be rolled away. God wanted the grave clothes to be laying there when the empty tomb was found. And God wanted Joseph and Nicodemus to be secret disciples until the time came for them to do what he wanted them to do. Yes, they were, as John says, secret disciples for fear of the Jews, but God used that fear for his purposes. I don't think that makes them cowards. Once again, I have to say that. When it was time to act, they overcame their fear. They played their part in the drama and did what God wanted them to do. They boldly asked for Jesus' body and buried him so God's plan would unfold as designed. This is not the work of cowards. Although John doesn't mention what happened to them after they did their part, I'm sure they would have lost their seats on the Sanhedrin and been put out of the synagogue. These men did what God wanted them to do. They were not cowards. These two men served God and all of us by setting the stage for the empty tomb. I am certain they paid dearly for this act of brave obedience. I for one know I need to clear out some of the clutter in my life and seek the face of the Father and make sure I am playing my part. I need to spend more time in prayer and in the Word. I need to make sure I am ready when He calls me, as He has before, and I am sure He will do again. And maybe, just maybe, you need to do the same thing. Thank you for listening to Jesus and Coffee. Amen. And may God richly bless you.